Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be joined first by John Martellero, the senior editor of analysis and reviews for the Mac Observer. So much to talk about with him. Later on, we'll hear from Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. They let that word on the air, but not the other words he uses on that show. He's also with The Loop at loopinsight.com. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> first up, to bat John Martellero. Joining us with a whole host of things to talk about, and he gave me a couple of ideas before we started this episode, one of which is iOS needs a new paint job. Tell me more, John. Well, you know, we've had iOS now since the summer of 2007, and every version of iOS keeps getting uh, more and more features, per se, and maps and special settings and do not disturb and and things like that. But the, it seems to me, in my opinion, that the flavor, the texture, the user interface, the facility for doing tasks on the iPhone has stagnated a little bit. And, and it's especially evident on the iPad, where I have more concerns. Sure, on the iPhone, you can only really only do one thing at a time, especially when you're driving. Don't do it. But say that louder, the iPad, by the way. <laughs> But on the iPad, uh, a lot of people are trying to press the iPad into service as a content uh, creation tool. And we want to we do things with our iPads. And there's all sorts of discussions about whether you need a MacBook Air and an iPad or whether you can make do with an iPad. And people are talking about this at length. And to the extent that people want to be able to do more things on an iPad, which is a very favored device to take with you when you travel is the ability to have multiple screens. And the, the Samsung Galaxy Note 2 is cashing in on that. And that's one of the pet peeves I have about the iPad. Here you have this very nice 10-inch screen, almost, and you can really only do one thing at a time. That's fine for an iPhone, but I, I think there needs to be some different thinking about the iPad is it, now that the, the product's becoming more mature, especially in screen sizes get bigger, and they will. So basically, here we go back to the first Mac and the ability to only run one app at a time. Let's have the proper multitasking where you can have two app windows from two apps or from one app. Yeah, that worked out really fine because the iPhone came first. And the idea was, uh, of course, you can only do one thing at a time. And it was very smart for Apple to say, okay, we're going to have the same operating system on the iPad as we have on the phone. That's very intelligent thing to do for starters because you don't want to split your operating systems. But over time, uh, I think that's going to become a problem. And I, I think that Apple's going to have to finally come to grips with the idea that as we get different devices and different screen sizes and different capabilities and faster processors in the bigger iPads that we want to be able to do more things with the iPad. And it's just my feeling in general, the, the user interface is getting a little bit, in my mind, a little bit stale, too. I don't know if we mentioned it last time I was on the show, but around Christmas time, I was fortunate enough to be sent a Amazon Kindle Fire HD, a Google Galaxy Nexus 10, and a Barnes & Noble Nook HD. And I had all three 
sitting on my desk next to the iPad mini and the iPad. And I noticed that there's, there's a lot of really cool things going on with these devices. I like the way you select text better in Android with the, the blue calipers that stand out in 3D. You know what? I find when it works, it works well. But sometimes it doesn't work very well at all. And sometimes you're just kind of stuck. So it's inconsistent. I hate the magnifying glass. I've never really had much luck with the magnifying glass and the blue dots and having to delete from the right. But with the, with the Android system, it has a very elegant system for selecting and editing text. And I like that. I like the tastefulness of the, of the black and the, and the color contrasts on the, on the Android systems that I've seen. My OS is starting to look kind of old in that respect. And I think it needs a, a Jonathan Ive fix-up. Well, in addition to having the multiple app windows on the iPad, how about just being able to reorder all your apps alphabetically? What's wrong with that? That's another thing. Android has a, a center home screen where you can put your favorites. Apple has decided that the, the, the first screen is going to be a screen of your favorite apps, but it's a pain to get things moved around. You have to go to the iTunes to do some significant editing and reordering of your apps. And if you want to search for an app, how do you find it? Well, you can go to the zeroth page and you can type in the name of the app and it'll jump to it and run it. But along the way, it never shows you where it was doesn't show you what page it was on and what folder it was buried in. So the next time you want to look for it, you're no better off knowing where it was. You know, that may be great for some people who really don't want to know where their apps are on their iPad for simplicity, but I do. And I like to keep track of them and I like to order them and know where they are visually. So, yeah, that's another irritant that needs to be addressed. And as we get to more memory and more processor power. Well, this would be, of course, iOS 7. We like to see it fixed in iOS 7. And hopefully Apple will, in just two or three months, give us the first iteration of the Jonathan I version. Looking forward to it. Speaking of the iPad, you're coming out with something I think is just going on without saying, and that is people seem to be shifting towards the iPad mini as the mainstream iPad. And this is something that has been discussed before, but this is something I assume that Apple could have expected? No, I don't think they did expect it. I spent most of 2012, euphemistically, banging on Apple for not meeting the Kindle Fire threat from Christmas of 2011. There was a significant hole in Apple's product line, and Christmas 2011, Amazon drove a truck through that hole with the Kindle Fire. Now, from what I have heard from friends uh, and from uh, Brian Chaffin at the Mac Observer, who has one in his workspace, the original Kindle Fire was not really well made, had a feeling of cheapness to it, and it was running a very old version of uh, Android 2.33. I think it was Ice Cream Sandwich. It wasn't very cool. You couldn't do screenshots. It was pretty primitive, but Christmas of 2012, Amazon came out with a pretty good product and actually beat Apple to the punch. And so all through 2012, we were wondering, what's Apple going to do? Are they going to meet this threat? Are they going to jump into the iPad 7-inch uh, regime? Uh, you know, there was that legacy from Steve Jobs who said, no, 7-inch iPads aren't going to work. They're, the screen's too small. Your fingers are too big. Uh, and everybody kind of bowed before the altar of Mr. Jobs and said, all right, Apple will never build a 7-inch iPad. I took a lot of heat for 
my idea that, yeah, yeah, Apple needs to do that. And when it came out, Apple thought, well, you know, this is kind of, you know, helping us out. It, it, it meets, meets a need for people who want to do book reading and hold a, a device in one hand. And then something interesting took off that I think was unexpected. And, and that was the thinness and the lightness of the iPad was out of proportion to the screen size. In other words, for those kinds of apps that you wanted to run and the things that you needed to do, not content creation, but just consumption, Netflix and, and surfing web pages and reading your email and uh, playing games, it turned out that the 7.9-inch screen size was just big enough that you could do all that stuff without a significant penalty. But there was an enormous gain in weight and size and, and thinness that made it particularly appealing. And all of a sudden, everybody noticed that. <laughs> and I saw it on Twitter. All the other Mac writers were talking about how when they had a choice, they would pick up their iPad mini. I do it too. When I walk into my office and I want to sit in front of the TV and I want to look at an international movie database or do some Twitter, it's really, iPad mini is really nice for Twitter because you can see everything you need to see. I'll tell you what, we'll get to see this, which is also something you need to see. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. 
USA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We started talking first about whether the iOS needs a really big shave and haircut. We both agree, I think, that some big changes ought to be forthcoming, and hopefully those changes will be coming in the next version. Also, the other question on the table about the shift in customer demand from the iPad to the iPad Mini. So now that we see that, it appears to have been confirmed by reports of industry analysts, assuming they can be believed, does Apple now rush to get the Retina display on one? Oh, I think they will. Uh, I think now that they've seen the popularity of it. Well, speaking of those industry analysts, one of the notes there was is that, that one of the companies that, that follows display sales noticed that there was a surge. And uh, I wrote about this in the past. Tim Cook warned us that we shouldn't pay too much attention to these rumors of uh, of, of component orders because Apple shifts between suppliers they get an oversupply here and they get an undersupply there and they shift things around and they have products rolling out and they have products fading. And and so, you know, from time to time, the order profile shifts. And so one can't always connect the dots between customer adoption and what insiders see as particular component orders. But even so, from what I've seen 
uh, on the internet. The scuttlebutt is that the iPad mini is very popular and is surging in popularity and may well be cannibalizing the regular iPad 9.7 inch. Even So that means that a pleasant surprise that it's selling well, I think there will be a retina display. That said, I've been using one since it came out in October and it's awesome. I've watched movies on it. I've watched, you know, I use Netflix, Twitter. Apps are particularly pretty. You can read a web page, uh, the Mac Observer, and it looks great. So I think time and technology makes it profitable later to do it for the sake of advertising. Uh, and if it eats into uh, the regular retina on the big iPad, well, that's okay. And, uh, you know, Tim Cook is not afraid to sell products and cannibalize other products. And also, it's possible they'll sell more iPad minis than they would have sold iPads by its presence, so it makes up for the difference. Yeah, and the other thing that the, that I've heard stories about is is that the iPad 5 is going to have a, a thinner bezel on the side and be thinner thickness-wise and be more like the iPad mini, which could shift some of the tide back to it because... One of the pleasures of holding an iPad mini in your hand is is that even with a, a light leather or polycarbonate case, it's still very light. So to the extent that you can reduce the heft, because that's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I don't want to sound like Jay Leno, you know, or we're too lazy to pick up a one-pound iPad, but it's true. You know, we're too lazy to pick up a one-pound iPad, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're, you know, we're all obese. Speak for yourself. But, but, not, you know, when you we're all obese. We're all mini. losing our physical <laughs> capabilities. One day we'll have no arms. We'll just have to elevate yes. them with our brains right. because be we will lose our muscles. Right. That's right. But there really is a noticeable difference. I have a very thin gel case on my regular iPad 3. It's uh, you know weighs a few ounces, and still uh, when I pick it up, you know it's 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 got a noticeable heft to it. It could be a self defense weapon if you smack somebody on the head with it. <laughs> You know, it's it's serious stuff. Uh, hey. Whereas the iPad Mini is a delightful thing like, to hold, more like a Kindle. You know, in one hand, especially when you're on the bus, or you know, when it's resting on your lap, or you're walking around with it. They've got something there. It's it's in the iPad Five is going to have to be thin and gorgeous to make up some ground. So therefore, if I'm upset with a tech commentator who makes a particularly foolish remark says something that's not true, like the response to the iPad 5 was tepid after they sold 5 million the first weekend. That guy, I want to go over to him and take my iPad and go smack. So if it's a lighter <laughs> iPad, I can't do that. But then, of course, they'll arrest me. You see, this is not a threat, ladies and gentlemen. We're just joking here. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> okay. So that's the iPad mini and the iOS. But let me just raise the other issue. The iPad mini fulfills two needs for an iPad customer, one being smaller, more compact, easier to hold, being cheaper. That's also very yes. important. But yes. now we look at the iPhone. We have a free iPhone called the iPhone 4, which is, what, a 2010 product. If we want to buy the 2010 iPhone with the 2010 technology and the 2010 components, it costs us $450 unlocked. So the other question is, if we're going to have an iPad mini, why not? As a corollary, a cheap iPhone. Mm, well, if you want to go with a subsidized plan, you can still get a free iPhone 4. We're talking of non-subsidized. Yeah. I don't have any keen thoughts on that, but what I do think about often is is screen sizes. 
You know, Apple builds premium products. And when you're a company that makes the best, you don't make everything. And so we have iPhone 4s with three and a half inch screens. We've got the iPhone 5 with a four inch screen. We've got Samsung trying to squeeze into the middle with a 5.5 inch Galaxy Note 2. You've got the seven inch Amazon. You've got the 7.9 inch iPad mini. What's really cooking now is the discussion about does Apple have to meet these companies on their own ground? Apple is a company of premium products. Do they have to, to watch for these holes that are being poked in their product line? Well, we it depends on the size of, of the hole, doesn't it? Which is well, why the iPad mini is there. There was a huge hole, was a and huge they realize hole. the need to put it in. Is there a huge hole that one demands a cheaper iPhone that you can buy affordably without the subsidy? Is there a demand for one with a larger screen? Well, I don't think Apple likes the idea of, of free products uh, and, and unless there's a recognition of the, of the subsidy. You know, the iPhone series, starting with the 4, is a pretty dense, pretty high-tech product that has a lot of value to it, and there's a lot of expensive components in there. So, you know, Apple always wants to make sure people realize that they're paying a reasonable price for a premium product. And and so they always manipulate things so that, you know, you realize that you're, you're holding something of great craftsmanship and quality in your hand. So coming out with something that is cheaper raises all sorts of questions. Why is it cheaper? What are you missing? Is some of the experience going to be missing? Uh, are you going to be missing LTE and then people are going to groan about that? Uh, can you still buy those older chips that are less expensive um, or are you forced into buying a you know a 3G, 4G, HSPDA, LTE chip and that's all you can get these days? The price difference isn't that big anymore. It's maybe a few dollars per unit. I think you have to also look, John, at the fact that Apple does have cheaper products. They have a Mac Mini. They have the small iPods, the iPod Shuffle, for example. So there is a way to make things cheaper but keep them elegant. The question is here, how do you do it and give Apple a decent margin on each unit but make it affordable in the sense that maybe 450 per unit isn't affordable, maybe 299 is? Well, when I think about that, I think about Apple's decision on the iPad Mini. We'll go into so much more to answer. Coming up next, we have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code podcast 30 at checkout. Again, visit Dyn.com. That's D-Y-N.com slash podcast 30 
Check them out today. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com if you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it now. Get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Do you suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid gland? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off your teeth both as a vapor and as metal particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 75 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass-fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's oneworldway.com live with Gene Steinberg it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, where he's senior editor for analysis and reviews, and he's giving us lots and lots and lots, did I say lots of analysis? So I was giving the arguments about the cheaper iPhone using the same logic as a cheaper Mac, a cheaper iPad. So what do you say, my friend? Well, the the way I put it into context is to look at the uh, iPad mini pricing all through 2012 the analysts were alarmed and concerned that the 7-inch market, the Nexus 7 and the Kindle Fire 
HD7. We're going to eat Apple's lunch, and they're pretty high-quality products. I've handled them extensively. I have a couple on my desk. The fit and finish is good. Android 4 Plus is a very good operating system. It's a pleasure to use. may have some security problems, you know, things like that. But in terms of the user experience and if you're careful about the apps you download, Android can be a very nice product. So the analysts were saying in 2012 when the iPad mini comes out, it's got to be in this 249, 279 range. And then I jumped in and I agreed that for the, for education purposes, um, that it had to be in the $200 range. And I talked to my wife who's involved in education and several other people, uh, other writers, and, and we all felt like for education, for kids who want to throw a little seven-inch thing in their backpack or you want to put it in cargo pants pockets or something like that, something in the $200 range is infinitely more digestible for families, especially families with, with kids who, you know, you want to buy maybe one or two of these for, and you already have one yourself. So you have to watch your money. And so then Apple comes out, kaplunk, 329. And we all groan and we go, Hey, what's going on here? And then Tim Cook has an interview and he says, you know, I think 329 is a really nice price for this product. (laughs) And we're all going, well, you know, that's sure. They're going to make, uh, they're going to sell everyone they can make. And they did. And the thing so, is also having a larger screen and a more useful form factor for web browsing, yeah. it makes it a premium alternative to spend that extra $129. That, that screen aspect ratio and that extra nine-tenths of an inch makes all the difference. The, the Kindle Fire HD has a pretty wide bezel, and it's really hard to read web pages on it. Okay, you see, that's the advantage right there, Apple's yep. saying. Yeah, it's more expensive, but this is a premium product. Instead of doing a $199 smartphone, Apple does the $299 premium one. There you go. So that answers, I think that answers your question about whether Apple's going to come out with something that is cheap in order to meet price points. I I, I saw something on the web the other day. It was was an article, I think it was at the the New Yorker, where uh, the author was trying to argue that uh, Apple's perception was that people would have a phone and that they had a tablet. That guy from the New Yorker, that's the same idiot who called the response to the iPhone 5 tepid, right? Yeah, he was an idiot. That's what I'm getting, that's what I'm getting to. And what he's sure, saying is, is that industry experience is showing that people who can't afford both want one device in the five-and-a-half-inch range uh, that they can afford. And so that's the argument for you know Apple getting into trouble. They're not recognizing this market where people don't have a lot of money to spend. And I'm going, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's not Apple's target market. Come on. And we all know that there's plenty of companies that are standing in line to take your your money if you don't have much money to spend, and they'll sell you a piece of subpar equipment that is in line with its lower price. That's, we know that. Uh, so that's the second reason why you know Apple's not going to, I don't think, come out with a significantly less expensive phone. It just devalues their home product line. It puts them into a bind in terms of the user experience and the design of their product. And, and they found other ways to achieve that, as you mentioned, with the you know free subsidized iPhone 4. That's the way to go if you don't want to spend a whole lot of money. Well, the other thing is here, Apple, by economies of scale and because they don't build 400,000 different models, maybe they could come up with a lower-cost version of the iPhone 5, Say, for example, that incorporates the older parts, discontinue the 4 and the 4S, this becomes a free one with a subsidy. You get the iPhone 5, a special iPhone 5, 
free with a subsidy and maybe two ninety nine. Yeah, everybody fantasizes. Everybody fantasizes. I'm sure there's listeners out there who wish that BMW sold a model for you know sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars, and then they could drive a BMW and write a check. You know. Okay, well they sell one for what seventeen eighteen thousand dollars. It's called the Mini. <laughs> the Mini Cooper? That's right. That's BMW. They I have a that. friend whose clutch on the Mini Cooper died after thirty seven thousand miles. She was so pissed, she took it back and she said, "I'm trading it in." <laughs> <laughs> After 37,000 miles, she was not happy with that blown clutch. Well, there you so, go. I mean, that's the other problem, too, that the Mini has had reliability problems, which I understand have been fixed. Let's move some other yeah. subjects here, okay? Sure. Okay, so we talked about the iPad Mini taking over the iPad market, possibilities of cheaper iPhones, that kind of thing. iOS, okay. Now, here's a question which I feel sympathy with here. Because I use it to promote my shows, but it's still, to me, a very inscrutable interface. I have two, by the way, fan clubs for our other show, The Powercast, on Facebook. I have not been told by anybody on this planet how to make them one, how to merge them. Is there a way to do that? You are not on Facebook. Why? I am not on Facebook. Well, in the early days, when Facebook first came out, I asked myself, what was the payoff. What was I going to get out of it? And at the time, I didn't really see anything useful about it. I thought I thought it was not in the same class as, say, LinkedIn, which was a more professional kind of organization and website. Twitter is my kind of thing. You know, it allows me to find out what's going on, whether it's emergency weather or important articles that are being written that I should be knowledgeable knowledgeable of. Twitter's great because the quality of what you get out of Twitter is directly related to the quality of the people you choose to follow. You know, I saw the payoff there. Facebook seemed to be kind of appealing to your, your hubris. It seemed to be kind of a, a fanboy kind of thing where, you know, I'll like you if you like me, and we'll all post our pictures of our vacations. And I thought... You know, what does it achieve for me as a writer? So I never really got into it. And as time went on, I would read about, because it's my job, almost every day I would read about some frightful, annoying thing that Facebook was doing with your data. Uh, Taking your data and altering it, putting it into a timeline, making it available to advertisers. And it just was more and more unsettling to me how little control you had over your own image. In Twitter and LinkedIn, you have absolute control over what you're presenting to other people. Facebook, not so much. And so that was another reason why I didn't get into it. So last week, I saw this article by Douglas Rushkoff, who's a writer, columnist for CNN. And he wrote an article called Why I'm Quitting Facebook. And he crystallized there in that one great article. This was last Friday's particle debris. Why he doesn't use Facebook anymore. He discovered that it was misrepresenting him, that he was losing control over his, his own image. Uh, that, that, that Facebook, in order to make money, uh, now wanted to charge you money for making sure that your updates reached all the people who'd signed up to get them. So, uh, so now, you know, they're, they're, they're grubbing for money. I need to understand this. This is confusing me. Okay. Yeah. All right. So normally with Facebook, you post on your timeline. 
something about yourself or some announcement you want to make. I assumed that anyone who is one of your friends would have access to that. Are you saying that's, that's not what so? That's found out. He said, quote, um, uh, more recently, particularly those with larger sets of friends, uh, maybe not small users, followers and likes learned that their updates were no longer reaching all of the people who'd signed up to get them. So now we're supposed to pay to promote our posts to friends, and if we pay even more, to their friends. Oh, well. That's not the worst part of it. There's also a question here whether your posts are worth paying for to publish to a wider number of people. Oh, boy. (laughs) There's another shoe that's going to drop here. You think that's bad charging you to reach all your friends, Facebook? A lot more to talk about. With John Martellaro, Senior Editor of Analysis and Reviews for the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 Nine zero zero nine. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to com and see our money-back guarantee. That's Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. 
Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. I had tried everything. I'd cut back the amount of food I was eating. I was lifting weights and jogging, but nothing was working. My body was literally starving for minerals and trace elements as well as key vitamins. And as soon as I had that, I immediately could eat half of what I was eating previously and be satisfied. Now, there are hundreds of great products at InfoWarsTeam.com, but I want to point out the three that have helped me lose 37 pounds in just two months. Products like Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Pollen Burst, and Rebound. When I started taking the Tangy Tangerine and other products every day, I lost more than 37 pounds in just two months. Now that's results. I want to challenge my listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com and to order just three of their products. And you will see the changes in the way you look, feel, and in your appetite almost immediately. Start your journey to health and wellness today. InfoWarsTeam.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joins us. He is not on Facebook for a very, very specific reason. And part of it is just the way the thing is set up. And he was mentioning, for example, now it's set up now that if you want to reach all of your friends and you have a large number of friends, you may end up having to pay for it. But there's more. But there is more. So Mr. Rushkoff continues. He talks about related posts. Users who like something can uh, be unwittingly associated with pretty much anything that an advertiser pays for. So like spam email, Mr. Rushkoff says, with a spoofed identity, the related post shows up in a news feed right under the user's name and picture. If you like me, you can be shown implicitly recommending me or something I like, something you've never heard of to others without your consent. So it all looks kind of unsavory to me. You know, if a service is free, then you are the product. And Facebook is gathering an enormous amount of information about you, your likes, your friends, and so on. No doubt that's of interest to lots of people, advertisers, the government. Money is being made by using information about you. It just unsettles me. I really don't like that. I like to have control over my image, and I don't like a company leveraging off of my interests and my tastes. So if you're on Facebook and you say, oh, I really like this movie, yeah, sure, your friends will see that, but then all of a sudden the advertiser is going to pop up and say, you know, John Martellaro recommends Flight with starring Denzel Washington. And maybe you didn't authorize that. Well, tough. It's going to happen anyway. So last Friday I, uh, I quoted significant sections of Mr. Rushkoff's article about why he's quitting Facebook, and I'm just glad I never got into it. And I feel like if, if a billion people are on Facebook, I shouldn't be there. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, if a billion people are doing something, then the right thing to do is not doing it. <laughs> I, I know I sound kind of like Rachel Maddow there. <laughs> 
Or Groucho Marx. I would never join a club that would have me as a member. So there you go. So therefore, you're never going to join Google+. Uh, not on Google+, Plus because uh, I haven't gotten around to it. And uh, I was kind of waiting to see. You know, as an editor at the Mac Observer, I'm confronted with uh, dozens, 20 or 30 or 40 emails a day on some new service, some new app that they want me to review. And, and these services all involve signing up. You know, everything is a service now. You're, you're, I just ran across this product called Close, C-L-O-Z-E. And what they do is they collect all the information from, from Gmail and from Twitter and from Facebook, and they co- collect all this information, management, manage it, and digest it and crunch it, and then deliver to you important informa- information about the important people in your life. Okay, so you have to sign up for this. Or if you've got a little file sharing product like Pogo, you know, you have to have a service in the sky. You have to have an account. Everything requires you to have an account. You're inundated with passwords. Somewhere floating around is account information that can be hacked. And, and, and then you find out that nobody's using it. Or in the case of Google+, Plus, a lot of people are using it. But uh, you're not able to figure out what the value is to you right away. So, you know, you have to be careful about what you're going to do and how long you're going to do it and how you're going to stick with it and what value it has. Groupon is kind of in that boat right now where, you know, it looked great at the beginning and then suddenly it's, you know, not doing so well. So my approach is that, yeah, wait a year. If it's still around in a year and people still love it, you know, I'll think about whether it has value to me. But I don't sign up for stuff right away anymore, just just to check it out. A couple of things here. First off, it looks like Google Plus has a lot of members because they kind oh, of yeah. force you on there when you sign up for Google services these days. But people don't use it for very much, get very little response off it, and I have, what, a couple of thousand friends on there. The other thing is here, a lot of these new services, what they do is they set themselves up as apps on Twitter or Facebook. So if you have a Facebook account or a Twitter account, you can sign up that way, just like, for example, our forums. So our forum at forum.technightout.com. To join, you either give yourself yeah. a unique username or use your Facebook username. Uh, Jeff Gamet and I both hate that. Jeff has tweeted about that, and I feel the same way. Whenever there's an app that requires you to log on to it using your Facebook credentials, ah, delete. It's gone. <laughs> You don't have to with our forums. We're going to tell you that. It's an option they gave because the developers felt they wanted to get as many members as possible in a forum. And some people are active there. My son's very active on Facebook. Myself, it's mostly to put up brief statements or announcements about things I'm doing in connection with my business. I don't use it that much for personal stuff. And I understand that. My wife is not on Facebook at all. Let me tell you a story about that. How long do we have? Do we have time for... We have two segments after this one, so keep going. Okay, so uh, a long time ago in the 90s, uh, there were companies that were selling these wonderful Unix workstations to uh, engineers and scientists. I was at Lockheed Martin at the time in the 90s, and we loved these silicon graphics workstations. And, these and you Unix were building top-secret gear for Area 51, yeah. top-secret gear for Area 51. Uh, no, I wasn't in UFOs. Area 51. I worked for Lockheed Martin in Denver. I'm joking. <laughs> it was quality. These were quality Unix workstations. They were fast. They had great displays, and they used Unix, and we loved them. And then SGI and Hewlett Packard both got the bee in their bonnet that, you know, instead of selling just 
a few hundred thousands of these Unix workstations, they could sell a whole lot more of them if they would simply put a more popular operating system on them. It was called Windows NT. came out in the 90s. Right. And so what you had, instead of having a $5,000 workstation with this wonderful integrated Unix that was fast and great, you had a $5,000 workstation running Windows NT. And then what you realized was is that you could go to Best Buy and buy a PC for $900 instead of $5,000, put Windows NT on it, and have the same thing for a whole lot less money. And Hewlett-Packard and SGI both got into serious trouble trying to push Windows NT on people because they thought it was so wildly popular on PCs, they could ride along with that bandwagon. And that's the mentality you were just referring to a little while ago. You know, if all these people are on Facebook, then if I require Facebook login credentials, or at least offer it, you know, I'm going to ride the wave instead of creating something that has broad appeal and quality and taste. Um, you try to, you know, force your way into a, into a mass market through technological means and hardly ever works. Let's look at something else that is changing on the Mac platform, for example, and that is Java. Java has become a no-no. I grew up with Java um, as a user, as a customer, and then I was heavy into it working for Apple. Java looked like uh, the darling of the Apple world in, in 2000 to 2005. Apple had just come out with this brand new Unix-based operating system in March, I think it was 2001. And Java was a great way to build apps that could run everywhere. And it was, it made the Apple especially attractive because, you know, it kind of put it on equal footing with the, the PCs. You could build an app and you could run it on Linux, run it on PCs, run it on Windows, you could run it on Macs. And Java had a certain amount of uh, elegance as a language and was also being uh, adopted by the enterprise for enterprise development. It's a uh, you know, superb object-oriented uh, 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 language for development. Head and shoulders at the time above anything else. If you went to the bookstore, you'd find gazillion books on Java. You'd find one old, out-of-date out book on Objective-C. <laughs> and so back then, um, Java was cool. And there was JBuilder and, and uh, lots of development systems and, and so on. Uh, and because Java was so popular in the uh, enterprise, uh, people wanted uh, Java on their desktops as well for you know, connecting to enterprise systems. Along the way, something happened. Uh, iOS happened. And uh, it turned out that iOS and Objective-C was a better uh, system for delivering apps on mobile devices. And Java uh, fell into some security problems. And then there was the incredibly complex business of Apple taking over Java 6 and doing the updates, but then Oracle was taking over Java 7. And then there's the complexities of whether you're looking at the um, Java plugin for your browser or whether you're looking at the native Java 6 system built into your Mac and all sorts of confusion about version numbers. And, you know, somebody downloads Java 7 plugin for their browser and then they do Java minus version on the command line. They see Java 6 and they're completely confused. Before we get more confused, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, 
I've got to do this. We're listening to John Martellaro joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we have Java, which was right once, run anywhere, and now it is right once, infect everywhere. And Java has become so confusing we wonder, why bother? John Martellaro, tell us more. So it has, it has turned out that in the mobile world, uh, Android and iOS uh, rule in terms of, of building uh, apps because of uh, Apple's energy in um, iOS, that flows over to Objective-C on the Mac. And so nobody's building native apps anymore on the Mac with the idea that, oh, I need this in order to be able to make it attractive to Windows users. We're in the post-PC era. Developers are busy with uh, phones and tablets, iPads, and they're not really worrying anymore about building an app with Java that can run on the, the PC as well. PCs are you know on their way out. Along the way, it turns out that the bad guys have been particularly aggressive in finding security holes in Java, and so if you combine those two, the question is, do I really need to have Java on my Mac anymore? 
Now, it turns out that there are a couple wrinkles there, you know. If you delete Java, there's some things that maybe won't run. I have heard about some Adobe issues where Adobe is using Java in the background. And so, can you delete Java from your Mac for security purposes? Well, what, what are you deleting? Are you deleting, deleting Java 6, that, that full-blown development system that's integrated into your Mac? Or are you just simply deleting the plugin for applets that you look at in your browser? Most of the security problems have been through the applets because that's how the websites infect you. You go to a maliciously crafted website, the Java applet uh, that's delivered to you uh, and, uh, exercises uh, weaknesses in the system and infects your, your Mac. So you can delete the um, applet uh, plugin pretty easy, and you can suppress it pretty easy. Uh, there's lots of ways to do it, and we've written about them at uh, the Mac Observer. But then people start thinking about that full-blown Java system on their Mac that allows them to run, you know, the Java virtual machine, the, the runtime environment that allows them to run native apps like CrashPlan and JEdit and other, you know, local, you know, Java apps. Turns out that's not so easy. In order to suppress that version of Java on your Mac, you have to go in and start deleting files from the terminal line, and it gets really dangerous. And it really isn't recommended. And down the line, uh, some things may not work anymore. And if you've got an old version of GoToMeeting, I'm not sure whether that runs in the in the plugin or not. You may you may have run across some apps that used to work and then don't work anymore, and you don't remember exactly which Java files you went and deleted from the terminal line. So you know you really shouldn't do that. And uh, then the other day, Oracle announced that they were going to stop delivering patches to Apple for updating. Java 6, and we wish we had an uninstaller so that we could just go in and clean out Java 6, but there is no you know, universal uninstaller for Java 6 on our Macs. So it's gotten to be quite a mess. And so I wrote about that the other day. I wrote this monster article called uh, Uninstall or Disable Java on Your Mac at the Mac Observer, and that was a huge article that went into all these details hopefully trying to clear up the situation and giving you some insights about how you can protect yourself in a very vicious security environment. And the other thing is here, there's always confusion. Just because of the word Java, you also have a feature called JavaScript, which is a good thing because it enables to have fancy effects on different websites. No relation between the two. That's right. It's only called Java to confuse you and befuddle you. There's no other reason why JavaScript should be that way. But I still contend with issues, for example, when people are trying to use the forums. We have all the fancy pop-up menus and all this other good stuff. And people say, that doesn't work anymore. And I said, did you turn off JavaScript? Well, I had to turn off Java. I said, yeah, that's fine. But what about JavaScript? And Java is another problem, too. The Java applet is used for a number of chat rooms online. You have multi-platform chat rooms. They use Java. So with, with people going in and, and, and unchecking the JavaScript box because they think they should do that to protect themselves, now you know why in my uh, big article that I just mentioned, I did not recommend that you go into the terminal and start deleting key Java files. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. You'll cause a mess. There you go. But at least Apple's feeding all these updates now to Java 7. They come from Oracle. Oracle, in theory, sends you the update to Java 7. 
and it's automatically done. The same well, thing is true with Flash, by the not way. Automatically, there, there's a Java preference pane that will monitor and and tell you about updates, but you have to manually do the install yourself for the Java plug-in for the browser. So it'll automatically tell you, but you still have to install. You still have to do that. What we want from Apple, I think, right now, is because Oracle's going to stop supporting Java 6 at some point for everybody, is is that uh, we need an uninstaller. We need a Perl script from Apple that's been beaten to death and isn't going to do any damage and has been tested uh, thoroughly, and you just run this uh, package uninstaller, and boom, Java 6 is gone from your system. You don't have to worry anymore. The other thing you have to watch out for is is that the uh, Apple-supplied Java plugin for browsers uh, was deleted from your system in October 2012 with a security update. And uh, that one has got security problems. You want to watch out for that one. So um, if you think you might want to run a Java applet, uh, the best thing to do is to to download the, uh, the Java applet from Oracle, the Java 7 one, then you can turn it on and turn it off really easily in the preference pane uh, as needed. So that's another wrinkle to look out for. My favorite Java is from Circle K. I get 16 or 20 ounces, and I'm fine for the day, I think. It's a giant mess. With that much confusion, you're inviting problems. And, uh, you know, Apple has its behind-the-scenes method for blocking the plugins. They don't report it to you in notifications. There's a lot of mysterious stuff going on, um, and it's getting to be kind of upsetting. And so that's why uh, we wish we had better control uh, over Java on our Macs or an elegant way to, to delete the system completely. There you go. Let's talk about something that impacts you and I, John Martellero and millions of other people. Now, I've done this for now, I think, about 23 years Instead of going into an office, my office is a converted bedroom at the other side of my home. That's my office. And I certainly save on commuting problems. You work at home. But there was an issue now related to the CEO of Yahoo. Was that became a problem? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's one of those fascinating stories on the Internet. Um, you have a new CEO who's trying to... Uh, um, resurrect a company that's that's been in trouble for a while, um, and and has to make some tough decisions. Um, the way I understand it is that she looked at some logs uh, that showed what people were doing uh, working at home, and made a decision based on that, um, and concluded that there were some people who were slackers. Um, and decided that in order to get people back into the office and chatting and talking and exchanging ideas and being better supervised, that, that she needed to kill this work-at-home project. But you know what's going to happen. There are people who are working really hard at home. Um, there are people who understand how to work at home professionally. Um, there are people who... Um, are going to take advantage of the situation. And it all comes home, it all comes down to supervision. Is can you set up a a management system so that you have people who are properly motivated, they have things to do, they have important things to do, they feel trusted, they feel like they're a stakeholder in the product, they have deliverables, and they have to 
deliver those products to their managers. And the managers have to be empowered too. The managers have to have a vision. You can't lead if you don't know what you want. And by the way, we know what we want because we'll be told by the people who are going to follow for a couple of minutes. And then we'll return with John Martellero on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources. March 6th, 2013. Gold opened this morning at 1577.40. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1617.11, 808.55 for a half ounce, or 404.28 for a quarter ounce. That's 1617.11, 808.55, and 404.28. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters, antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power, vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9, beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. 
Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. John Martellaro on the Tech Night Out Live talking about working at home, which millions of people do. But there's a matter, as you say, John, of discipline, not just sitting in front of the computer and having a good time. And maybe the tasks that you have to perform, they don't get done. And that's not good for the company. It's not good for you. So you have to kind of organize yourself. I think it all comes down to the managers. Managers who are good leaders understand what needs to be done, and they know that they have important work to do and they convey that to their employees if you just tell somebody to sit home and do this and do that and don't pay much attention to them they're going to drift if you've got a manager who sits down with you and says this is the challenge this is what we're going to achieve this is the goal and creates a vision for you that's inspiring and that is worthy of your attention you're going to be working day and night so i wrote an article about that the other day and i compared it to you know my experience working for apple out of a home office and I was overwhelmed, you know, 60-hour weeks. This was a grand crusade. We were fighting against Microsoft, and we were trying to resurrect the company. When I went to work for Apple in 2000, they weren't yet out of the woods uh, as a company. They were still running Mac OS 9. There were serious problems, even though the original iMac was uh, doing well. Um, Apple had a lot of work in, in saving the company and leading the company forward, and trying to, f- to fight Microsoft in the enterprise was a challenge. There was a lot to do. So I think that if your company is trying to do something important and has a vision and you can convey that vision like you know Steve Jobs did to Apple employees in, in those days, then, then you're going to be really enthusiastic about what it is you're trying to do at home. And, and you're going to be overwhelmed. You're not going to be sitting around doing Christmas shopping and exploring Google and you know messing around and stuff like that. I, I think it all has to do with the quality of the managers and the quality of the vision and and the work that the company is trying to do. And even though Marissa Meyer says that she detected slackers by analyzing the internet logs, I think that's kind of a cop-out. I I think if you say you're not going to allow anybody to work at home, people who have health issues or are partially disabled or who are pregnant or have other issues, you know, taking care of a parent or the commute to work is two hours over a bridge, and they spend four hours a day driving. And if you eliminate that 100%, what you're really trying to do is just you're trying to weed people out. You're trying to get people to quit. You're being draconian. You're not being really a good leader because working at home is a modern, efficient, green, it's a very technical thing to do. A lot of people want to do that, and companies can save a lot of money. If only they have the inspiration and the technical talent and the training to know how to manage people who work at home. So I think this is going to come home to bite Ms. Meyer. Well, the issue here is Apple. Does Apple have everybody working at their campus or one of their offices, or do they have people who work at home? 
Not at all. I was at a WWDC and I had that same vision. It was in 1998 or so. And I was sitting next to a fellow in a presentation at WWDC and he was talking about how he's working out of Boston. And I went, huh? And he says, oh, yeah, the Apple has systems engineers all over the country. And the more I found out about it, the more I found that the Apple has thousands of maybe a thousand employees who are involved in field sales or all over the country, education support, federal sales, enterprise sales, and then systems engineers who support that and systems engineers who support education or technical people who work out of their home, produce deliverables. It's a lot of Apple people who don't live and work on campus. And I thought, well, gee, if this guy can live in Boston and work for Apple, I can live in Denver and work for Apple. And eventually, through my network and some people I knew, uh, having met them every year, Apple employees that I met every year at WWDC, uh, finally, you know, magic happened and a position opened. And I worked out of my home office, and I, then I got to know all the other people who do. And we didn't have any trouble motivating ourselves or staying busy because we enjoyed our work. And there was a challenge and we loved what we were doing and we were inspired and we had a great leader and we felt like what we were doing was important. We could put a dent in the universe if only we worked hard enough. And I didn't know anybody at Apple who wasn't working 60 hour weeks out of their home and loving it. But how does Apple manage that? Did they look at the work you've accomplished to say, okay, you're doing good work? Or sure. They, sure. You had to do it? There's stuff you had to do. do. I, there was deliverable. I had to create documents. I had to arrange events. I was a science and technology marketing manager, and I just set up, for example, in those early days, Apple was going to an event called supercomputing, and I had to set up a booth property and order the property and make sure it got delivered and sign up people to attend and uh, get hotel rooms and uh, get booth uh, material. There wasn't a whole lot of that and get computers scheduled and everything had to come together so that when the event started, everything was there and people showed up and were ready to man the booths. And then there were technical documents and marketing marketing materials to create. There was all sorts of things going on that we were overloaded because we were having so much fun. And then on top of that, because you were an Apple employee, you were expected to know everything. So you had to understand this new operating system called OS X. And, and so you were up to your ears in a learning environment. And then you had to learn all new, new technologies and, and file serving and uh, open directory systems and uh, Apple products you had to know in detail. So there was plenty to learn. So my suspicion is, is that these people who were you know forced out at Yahoo were working at home they weren't being given anything important to do because the company couldn't think of any important work to give them. That's my opinion. So it's just a matter there of management not really handling it the proper way. Exactly. It's always, it's, that's what it always boils down to is leadership, excitement, vision, and, and proper supervision. Instead of stopping people from working at home, maybe uh, the idea is to uh, engage in something exciting and worthwhile uh, that gets people really cranked up and in love with what they're doing. Just my opinion. That would require reorganizing that company to make it relevant. And I think of that, and I think also of AOL. There's still an AOL out there. It's a portal. There's actually a legacy number of people who still use AOL dial-up for Internet access. I guess they live in small towns where they're not going to spend an arm and a leg and a foot for satellite. They don't have local broadband, or they don't care. Yeah, They've gone from, what, 15, 18 million users down to less than two. But you think one day they should just take this and shut it down. I don't follow the company that closely because uh, I never saw that it had much value for me. Maybe that's part of the problem. Well, that's the problem with all these things here. If customers or potential customers or visitors don't see the value, where does it go? And the thing here with Facebook, 
just to kind of sum this up before we let you go. With Facebook, you don't use Facebook, and I wonder how many people are leaving Facebook because they realize it's just a mess and doesn't suit their needs. I mean, with Twitter, I guess, okay, it's consistent. You have very simple, focused ways of communicating with other people. It's 140 characters. And control, and control over your profile. Sure. Facebook, I don't know what it has because they keep changing things. Yeah, I I think part of the appeal of Facebook is that Facebook invites you to believe that what you are doing is of interest to a lot of other people. And Facebook is designed to continue to promote that impression that you have. And so to the extent Facebook can feed you with the idea that what you're doing is very important to other people, then you'll be hooked. That's a powerful psychological tool. Okay, John Martellaro, tell listeners how they can become hooked on the Mac Observer. So what you want to do is you want to daily visit the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. We have some wonderful writers. We do news, reviews, analysis. We do it all. They do it all. John Martellaro for the Mac Observer. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Been a pleasure. See you next time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made Vaporeat e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. 
How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop, creative radio ads, very affordable rates, millions of potential customers, and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the loop at loopinsight.com. We have so much to talk about. Let's just rush into the mainstream. Do you have a reaction to stories about high-profile tech people switching platforms, like switching from Android to iOS or iPhone to an Android smartphone? What's your view about that? And I have a reason behind this I'm going to ask. Well, I I think it's always curious that whenever it happens, it's always uh, positioned by other people talking about it as a defection, you know, as as if they, they owe their allegiance to one company or another. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, people should be allowed to use what they want. I got rid of my iPhone last year, and I've been using a dumb phone, a very simple, featureless phone that can make calls and barely make texts, and that's it. And I couldn't believe the amount of vitriol I received when I wrote about my experience uh, for The Loop um, a couple of months ago. It was unbelievable what people were saying. People were you know, suggesting that I was clueless, that I just didn't understand how important they were or that, uh, um, you know, that I was a traitor to the cause or, or what have you. It's just it was ludicrous. So, you know, I, I, I see these things and I just kind of scratch my head and I wonder why anybody is making a, a big deal about it. Well, I actually did a switch, but not as a permanent switch, a switch to test how the other half lives. So, of course, what I did is I switched from an iPhone 4S to a Samsung Galaxy S3, and Samsung's very cooperative about sending phones for long-term reviews. And the reason is I wanted to see what the best-selling Android smartphone was all about, and I wanted to understand the Android platform in better detail to be more informed about the subject. So it was part of investigative journalism. So I've written several articles on the subject, and I thought that's a decent reason. You know, say if you disagree, and we'll go on after that. 
Yeah, that's that's as good a reason as any, um, you know, to, to to look into it and 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 see if it's better. You know, I mean, uh, you know, in, in my particular case, the smartphones just in general didn't fit my use case anymore. And I was tired of paying the bill. You know, I was sick and tired of shelling out tithing to a phone company every month for for these, you know, for 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 the privilege of being tethered to the Internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just didn't feel like it was it, it needed to be a necessary part of my life anymore. I understand that. I know my wife has a Motorola Razor, and occasionally she says, you know, I can get a free iPhone. Why don't we just switch the plan? I mean, it's eligible for an upgrade. And I've asked her, okay, so if you get an iPhone, what will you do with it? You've got an iPad at home, so you're really going to use the iPhone? And she has some slight vision problems from eye surgery some years back. So the question would be, what's the purpose? If she's only going to use it a few times a month and make and receive phone calls, just as you made that decision, a feature phone is fine. For me, it's not, for my usage situation. But now, it's one thing to say, I'm going to use a product for a few weeks or a few months as a test. Lex Friedman is doing that over at Macworld Magazine. He's going to spend a month with a Nokia Lumia 920, which is a flagship Windows 8 phone, to understand the platform and see how the platform compares with iOS and maybe with Android. And that's, again, a valid journalistic purpose. And then after I wrote three or four articles about my encounters with Android, as someone who's been with the iOS since the very beginning, I then see an article from Andy Anatko saying, well, I got rid of my iPhone 4S to get a Samsung Galaxy S3. And I don't say that's true, but I thought, is he reading my articles? Oh, you're asking me? I'm asking you. It it seems strangely coincidental. I, I think it is coincidental. I think that's all it is. I think so, too. I know he's aware of me, and he does read my stuff, and he's been on the show. But he makes a big deal of the things he sees in Android that exceed what you can do in the iOS. I thought Andy's I thought Andy's uh, uh, recent series in TechHive was... was very well balanced um, because he started out by saying, look, these are the reasons why I switched to a Galaxy S3. These are not reasons why Apple has lost the race. Apple hasn't lost the race. This is, you know, not a, a, a an excuse to bash Apple. In other words, this is just an excuse to tell you why this one guy, me, made the switch. And, you know, he, he outlined, if, you know, for why for him personally, the, the S3 was a better fit. I did the same th- thing with my dumb phone piece for the loop a while back. You know, the, <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't live in a totalitarian state. You're not forced to use an Android phone or an iPhone or a Windows phone. You've got the choice of what you, whatever you want to use. And if none of those suit you, you can go with something different. That's what I did. Uh, you know, we have choices. Um, so let's use them and, and let's let's kind of let go of this tribalism that because somebody uses something else, they must there must be something wrong with them or they must not be as enlightened as the rest of us. You know, maybe the reason I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee is because I happen to like the Jeep Grand Cherokee. You know, if you drive a Ford Explorer, you know, you, you may love your Ford. You may think people who buy Jeeps are idiots. But, you know, that's not a really enlightened perspective. The, the fact of the matter is it just suits my needs better. You know, just like everything, just like Apple, just like Samsung, just like, 
whatever it is in your life that you might be using. For for people to get lost in this tribalism of of what brand of product we use is just it's silly, it's infantile, it's really kind of adolescent, and and we should just really grow out of it. I think I'm not interested in a four wheel drive vehicle, except maybe an Audi. Of course, that might be something attractive if I had the money around, the spare cash to buy one. I drive four door sedans, and I have since I was what twenty five years old. Because they suit you, exactly. I have no reason to have an SUV. I don't bring that much with me. The grocery bill at the end of the week isn't so large that I can't stuff everything in the trunk of a Honda. So I make that decision. And whether or not people will also buy Hondas, that's their decision. It worked out to be a good mix for me in terms of price, ride, handling, etc. I've owned a lot of cars, cheap and expensive over the years. I made that choice. I made the choice of being a Mac user, not because I don't think Windows works. I use Windows with virtual machines, and yes, it does work, and yes, you can get work done. But I like a system that doesn't have the nth degree of configuration requirements to make it do what you want. You can just turn the thing on and get to work and not have to fiddle with the system. And this is the example I gave about Android versus iOS. It is Mac versus Windows. Apple gives you a simple, elegant user interface with a very confined set of configuration options. And what it means is you can turn the thing on and get to work with the Android phone, and it works pretty well. The Samsung Galaxy S3 is a well-rated product. It works very well, but I had to spend a long time setting it up to work the way I want. Now, Android gives you that power. Android lets you make lots of granular configuration changes to do what you want. And I ended up, specifically speaking, choosing an email app on Android that mirrors Apple's mail app on iOS. It's called InnoMail. So at the end, what I try to do is make it work like my iPhone. And there you go. You know, that's it's, it's ironic that you do that. You know, that you try to make a device that isn't an iPhone act like an iPhone. Kind of says something about the way that you're wired after using an iPhone for so many years. Well, it is that I got used to a certain way of doing things. I found that way of doing things to be satisfactory. And the other problem is many of the Android email apps, starting with Android email, are dreadful. They're badly done. They have all sorts of crazy quirks. As a matter of fact, I already have a report, a bug report into Samsung about a crazy quirk with IMAP email accounts and Android Mail, which they confirmed. And supposedly there'll be a bug fix release. So that's the other issue I have with Android is that the quality of the software is not as good. I mean, you can find if you look hard enough and you're willing to spend a few dollars here and there taking a chance, you'll find some really good stuff. But a lot of stuff is really not so good. Yeah, Peter Cohen, who's always good. Hey, he's joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dried guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. To have a fighting chance against cold and flu bugs, get the world's best garlic extract, Allison Plus C. Fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi with Allison Plus C. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Allison Plus C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized Allison, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Allison Plus C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Allison Plus C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Allison Plus C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract. Allison Plus C. To order, call 855-ALLISON. That's 855-255-4246. Or go to allisonplus.com. Spelled A-L-L-I-C-I-N plus.com. Get Allison Plus C from Affinity Health Products. 
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. I'm sure Peter enjoys being complimented, right? Oh, of course. Thank you very much, Gene. And he says, I resemble that remark, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the big issues that we're seeing right now in the Apple universe is what will Apple do for an encore? What are they going to come up with next? And some are suggesting, what about an iWatch? Now, I don't know. I've seen skepticism to that, but you're a feature phone guy. What if everything that was in your feature phone, plus a few flourishes, could be put into a wristwatch? Would you get one? Oh, I'm not a feature phone guy. Like I said, my phone is a dumb phone. It can barely text. So feature phone is normally considered anything less than a smartphone. So you have a limited feature phone, but okay, what you do with that dumb phone? And if it calls. could be done on a watch, would you take it? No. I stopped wearing a watch about 10 years ago after I got my first Mac laptop because I noticed that the... Um, top of the case was starting to get scratched from my wristband. And I also realized that my hand and my wrist were uncomfortable because of the pressure of pushing um, the, the, uh, of the watch, you know, getting in the way of, of, of how I was typing. Uh, so I stopped wearing one. And, you know, shortly thereafter, I got my first cell phone. And, uh, you know, a cell phone, of course, uh, even the ancient, uh, you know, Nokia ones back in the day, um, had clocks on them. So, uh, you know, I got into the habit of, of using that to tell the time. And I still do. Um, inevitably, I have another device that I can use uh, to do that. But, you know, I'm not interested in a Dick Tracy watch on my arm that can uh, FaceTime or, um, you know, tell me my up to, up, up, upcoming calendar appointments. And I'm sure, and I'm just speaking for myself, I don't want to dismiss the idea outright that wearable computing is very important for a segment of consumers. Um, You know, I'm sure that that an iWatch or, you know, a similar device like the Pebble, which is a real product, not a unicorn like the iWatch, will will suit a certain segment of customers just fine who are looking for wearable computers, uh, who are looking for... uh, an extension of what they're already doing with their smartphone or their iPad or their laptop uh, somewhere on their body, whether it's on their wrist or anywhere else. But for me, it's just not right. It's not something I'm interested in. Understanding that, of course, obviously your preferences about phones are different than lots of other people. Mm -hmm. But do you see looking at the picture from just a tech commentator, do you see enough demand or need for such a product for someone like Apple to do it? Because Apple's not going to do it for a small market anymore. They want to go after a major market, something where tens or hundreds of millions of people are going to buy one. Or is that the answer to the hopes and dreams for a cheap iPhone? It could be done as a watch with limited feature set, and because it's a watch, you don't expect it to be a full-service smartphone. Well, if past is prologue, Let's take a look at Apple's track record. Apple has a track record of not inventing entirely new product categories, but rather reinventing them. Uh, You know, the the smartphone market already existed by the time the iPhone came into the fold. Uh, But the iPhone completely reinvented how smartphones worked. You know, smartphones were were clunky um, things like Blackberries that actually had physical um, thumb keyboards on them and 
uh, dials for scrolling, and, and they weren't very elegant at all. And the iPhone came came along with a completely blank slate and reinvented that. Um, uh, the iPhone wasn't the, the very first phone with, you know, a touch-sensitive display, but it was the first one that where it had, it had ever been done right. Likewise, tablet computing has been around for quite some time. I can remember uh, when I was still working in IT back in 1997, um, one of the companies that I worked for, uh, one of the guys um, at, at the company had a, uh, a machine running a build of Windows that was imported from Japan, and it was fantastically small. It was a tablet. It had a stylus, the whole nine yards. So this is not a new idea for computing. Um, it, it, it's been around for quite some time. But again, the, the iPad really invented, reinvented the entire uh, uh, product segment and and brought it to the masses and of course we've seen a lot of cap- copycats from the Android market since then just like we did with the iPhone. So wearable computing like a, a smart watch isn't really a thing yet. It, it, nobody has done it in a way that has been, as the marketing people like to say, disruptive. You know, it it, it they it isn't something that 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 has has created a new class of products yet. There have been a few dabblings in this area, like the Pebble, the, the device that I was just talking about a few uh, few moments ago, uh, which um, came to existence through a Kickstarter campaign. Um, Explain but, what a Kickstarter campaign is to our listeners. Kickstarter is a way for companies that have a product or software um, application that they want to develop um, off the ground by raising money for it, uh, crowdsourcing, basically. Uh, their uh, their money for it rather than going to let's say an angel investor um, uh, you know they put up a page about it on the Kickstarter website uh, they tell people what they're planning on doing a lot of times they will offer kind of special kinds of incentives to get people to uh, to donate like give us this much money and we'll send you a t-shirt or give us this much money and uh, you'll get one of our first prototype products as soon as it comes off the manufacturing line and it's been enormously successful for some companies. Game developers in particular have really, really latched onto Kickstarter as a way to get their projects off the ground. Uh, hardware manufacturers have done it as well. Peripheral manufacturers, uh, people who are making accessories for iPhones have done it. Um, so it's been a very popular way for um, uh, entrepreneurial outfits, uh, mom and pop shops, in some cases, just sole proprietorships. Um, to get their ideas off the ground and um, uh, onto the market. You know, you, you, you put up money for a Kickstarter campaign. It's held in escrow uh, until such time as uh, it's ready to go. And then um, uh, you're charged for whatever you, you told them that you were going to pony up. And, uh, and then you get your product. It's an interesting way to go. I've participated in a few Kickstarter campaigns. Haven't been disappointed yet. I know that a few have fallen through, though. So, um, you know, Kickstarter isn't batting a, a perfect track record. But, uh, you know, the Pebble device, that was a Kickstarter project. It interested a lot of people because it interfaces both with um, iOS um, and, uh, and uh, Android devices. But, you know, it's an e-ink smartwatch, basically. Um, so it's, it's got very limited capabilities. But it doesn't operate as a phone by itself. It has to interface with another object, another it, device. It doesn't operate as a phone at all. It's just as an extension. It's a wearable computer. It's like, like the Arm Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a wearable computer that's an extension of your smartphone, but not a replacement for it. Okay, so the sea change there would be to develop something of that size. 
a wristwatch device that has the full phone and some yeah, other capabilities. Why? Is this really, I mean, is this, a, is this a pressing need for people to have a phone on their wrist? I suppose the same question could be asked about a lot of products that become successful. I mean, was it essential to have an iPod in your pocket? The iPod is another great example. You know, digital music players existed long before the iPod as well, but Apple reinvented the category. My suspicion here is that Apple will let other companies die on the sword of early to market and early adoption. Um, they'll figure out what those companies are doing right or wrong, and they'll make a decision based on that as to whether or not to produce uh, a device accordingly. I just don't see them jumpstarting it. I could be totally wrong, though. That's just my conjecture. Well, there are published reports that Apple has 100 engineers on it, but we have to be realistic about this. Apple has lots of products under development. Some are very sensible refreshes or upgrades to existing products. Some are totally outrageous. And there's no guarantee just because Apple is working on a project that it will ever see the light of day. That's exactly right, Gene. A hundred, uh, uh, first of all, apocryphal reports of 100 engineers working on anything did not impress me. But even let us suspend our disbelief for a moment and assume that Apple is working on, on a project that requires 100 engineers that we haven't you know, seen any concrete evidence of yet. Let's assume that that's actually happening. You know what? Apple has more money in the bank right now than many small countries do. The company can afford to hire 100 engineers and have them work on a product that never comes to market. And you know what? They've been doing this for a very long time. This wouldn't be the first time that Apple's put money and resources into a project that's never seen the light of day. The bottom line is, I don't assume anything about any Apple product until Apple actually makes an announcement about it. And even then, you know, we don't know where that's going to go. Like, for example, the Apple TV. The Apple TV, I guess that's the most popular set-top box of its type, aside from set-top boxes that are dedicated to a specific cable or satellite provider. But to Apple, it's just a hobby. It's not a big thing yet. And we have to see where Apple's going to take it. Does it require agreements with the content providers? Does it require Apple finding a final direction to take it we don't know we do know that we have peter cohen of the angry mac bastards radio show on the loop joining us i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. With Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live, we have Peter Cohen, who is being joined by all the dogs in the neighborhood, who are now commenting on all the outspoken things he says. Shut up, dogs. <laughs> if we could make them do that, it'd be such a miracle. Actually, we have a dog here, too. But he tends to be a quiet type. You know, he doesn't interrupt. He knows his place in the world. And his place in the world is not to speak, not to annoy us when we're doing a show. But other animals, you never know. You have a dog? No, I. Uh, we're, we're cat people here. Oh, my wife's allergic to cats. That makes things more difficult. There you go. Indeed. All right. So you're skeptical about an iWatch or the prospects for an iWatch. Why does the media seize on things that Apple must do? They have to do this in order to remain relevant. We're going to design Apple's products. Is it just hubris or what? Well, nature abhors a vacuum, and and so does the media, because um, without having products or controversies to talk about um they don't have page clicks and without uh people viewing their websites they don't get revenue for ads and uh everybody starves so you've got to generate interesting content for people to read in order to drive that whole process and if nothing's actually happening well then you've got to invent the news yourself so you make up stories yep well there was a guy from new Yorker magazine who did a story recently about the things apple needs to do and the first thing he started off saying that the launch of the iPhone 5 was, to quote him, tepid. Now, I don't know what he means by tepid since no other smartphone on the planet has launched to a greater level of acceptance. So where do these people get that stuff? They make it up out of whole cloth. And you think if they're corrected over and over again, I can't think this guy is not corrected, why he doesn't just get up there and say, oh, gee, I am sorry. No, he continues to repeat the lie. Like, what was it, a person who said, if a lie is repeated three times, it becomes a truth? Some kind of Nazi guy back in World War II, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that certainly is the case here. You know, if, if uh, uh, we just stick to this narrative that Apple is on the downslope, then, um, you know, it'll come true. Well, the stock price has gone that way. I mean, Apple has been talked down for months now. And it all started with that stuff about, oh, they cut back displays for the iPhone 5. The iPhone 5 is tanking. Whatever the heck are we going to do? And then we see all these stories. Gee, the iPhone 5 was the number one smartphone in the world in the last quarter of 2012. 
that Apple has actually gained points against Android through January in the U.S. So we see this fact. We see this fact. We see that Mac sales in the U.S. were up 31% in January, probably as a result of the fact that you can actually get iMac delivered to you right now. And they still say Apple's in trouble. You know, I guess... um when you take a look at Apple's uh, stock price, um, and, and at the risk of sounding cynical and paranoid, uh, you know, there, there are forces out there, um, uh, mutual fund managers and so on, uh, that have very vested interest in seeing uh, Apple stock drop precipitously. Um, so, you know, the, there are reasons why this stuff happens. And, and Apple's stock valuation, Apple's uh, Wall Street's opinion of, of, of Apple should never be uh, a, a, a gauge or a bellwether of how well the company is actually doing, what its actual fundamentals are in terms of earnings, in terms of product success, in terms of uh, unit sales. It, it's just, you know, one does not track the other in any way, shape, or form. So I take Apple's stock movements with big grains of salt. In fact, I pay very little attention to it at, at all. Um, Although I note that it's been on the downslide now for a while. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, I'm not sure that other people are as critically minded when it comes to Apple. They don't know what to look for. They don't understand necessarily what the company is doing at every moment of the day and, and may not be aware that, you know, Apple is uh, outselling Android again, is, um, you know, selling as many Macs as it does, is, is doing as well as it is. They look at Apple's performance, and you wonder also if maybe some of Apple's competitors or those who invested in rival companies are talking down the company, talking down the stock to enhance their own gains. I'll give you an example of that. Remember before Apple shareholders meetings, some guy gets on there and he says, well, Apple is going to announce a stock split. So therefore, one stock, one share of stock becomes two shares of stock. It also makes it cheaper for people who can't afford to spend 400-some-odd dollars for a share of Apple stock. We understand that. And during the next few hours, Apple stock price went up. And then, of course, he sold his winnings and said, well, of course, it's not going to go up. There's no accountability for that, is there? No, there isn't. Um, And the guy that you're talking about, if I remember right, is um, Doug Cass. Um, Doug Cass is the president of a group called Seabreeze Partners. Uh, a, a colleague of, of ours, Philip Elmer DeWitt, over at uh, Fortune, uh, has been tracking this really um, carefully and has reported a few times on Apple and, uh, uh, and Doug Cass um, and noticed that, um, that uh, uh, Doug's statement that he had heard, although he admitted it was a completely baseless rumor, um, that Apple was going to do a, a stock split, um, was was pegged almost exact to the minute at the same time that there was a sharp uh, change in, in Apple stock valuation. Um, and it's interesting because apparently this really raised Doug Cass's ire uh, because uh, his next move was actually to block Philip Elmer DeWitt from viewing his own tweets on Twitter, because you can do that. You can block a Twitter user uh, who has offended you. 
Uh, and this has been going on now for, I guess, more than a week, but it's, it's really funny. Every day, Philip Elmer DeWitt checks uh, Doug Cass's Twitter account, and if he can't access it, uh, he lets his readers know and then points them back to the original article. Uh, so, you know, kudos to, to, to uh, Philip for, uh, for, for spotting this one, but Cass isn't the only one who's guilty of this. This is something that, that's been happening now for a while. You know, but, somebody will start a baseless rumor on Apple, there'll be a sell-off of stock, and then somebody will grab the stock when it gets cheap. Cheaper than it was. But you have to wonder here, there's no accountability. No one from the SEC can come down and say, you can't do that. You can't arrest somebody for wiping out billions of dollars of shareholder value just by making some bogus comments. Nope, nope. And as our uh, esteemed, now senior, laughably, uh, freshman senator uh, from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, pointed out, somebody can go to jail for an ounce of cocaine, but, you know, you rip a billion off of, uh, uh, you rip a billion uh, or, or 40 uh, off um, on, on Wall Street, nobody blinks an eye. So this is something maybe that Senator Warren should be introducing legislation to combat. If somebody deliberately, we understand mistakes can happen, and that might be the gray area, but if somebody deliberately says something in a public way that diminishes a company's stock value, is that defamation? No, it isn't. And that's the that's the the, the amazing thing. I mean, the accountability that that Doug that Doug Cash should have is gone as soon as he says, well, this is a baseless rumor. I'm just, you know, spouting nonsense, you know, as long as he's got plausible deniability. Remember that phrase? Plausible deniability. All governments use it all the time. That's right. The first time I heard used really in public, though, was in the movie Independence Day. When they were talking about Area 51 and holding dead aliens in a spaceship there, why wasn't I told about this? The president says to his secretary of defense, and secretary of defense says plausible deniability. Well, plausible deniability was coined. It was a term coined by the CIA during the Kennedy administration. But, you know, it's something that was, uh, of course, used by the Nixon administration as well. Um, that's how I became familiar with it. That, you know, study of history that, that happened before my day, Gene. But anyway, but yeah, I remember that in Independence Day too. That was a good one. You're a young whippersnapper. That's why. And sometimes we have to snap the whip as we're going to do right now and take this pause. Peter Cohen joining Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing Reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. March into big spring preparedness savings this month at BePrepared.com. Going on now. Emergency Essentials and BePrepared.com save you 28% off your favorite beef and chicken combo entrees. Save 24% on number 10 cans of freeze-dried raspberries. Or save 26% on our freeze-dried strawberry slices with purchase of 12 or more. Catadine Pocket Micro Water Filters are 27% off. Try our fruit-flavored Hydro Pack Combo Water Filtering Pouches. In March, buy five 10-packs for a 50% discount. Stock up on wheat with a year's supply of grains for $70 off only at BePrepared.com. And this month, power up with a Goal Zero Sherpa 50 solar-powered recharging kit at $110 off MSRP, and we'll throw in a free $50 emergency essentials gift card. The March sale ends March 31st at BePrepared.com. For contents and details, call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863 or click BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. 
Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the loop at loopinsight.com, talking about all things Apple and all that stuff. So let's look at what's in the pipeline for Apple a little bit here as we're trying to do some reality checks on fact versus fiction. Apple being told they're leaving tens of billions of dollars of sales on the table by not having a cheap iPhone. I don't mean a cheap iPhone with a two-year contract. I mean, instead of spending $450 for an iPhone 4, you spend $199 or $299, that possible? Yeah, that rumor has been simmering for a while. And what's really funny about it now is that... uh now now we're, we're seeing rumors on top of the rumors. For example, you know, Apple is using a plastic uh, screen instead of a glass screen for this particular phone. Or Apple is using a Snapdragon uh, CPU from, uh, instead of the, um, the, the, the A6 architecture that's inside their current phones. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's amusing to me that, um, I, again, in the absence of any hard news, they'll just make stuff up out of whole cloth. Well, in a case like this, the Snapdragon, that's a Qualcomm chip. And we all know Apple makes its own chip, so why can't Apple use one of their chips? Why would you use a chip from another company? Ostensibly because the other company can make it cheaper than you can. So Qualcomm can make it cheaper than Apple. Who knows? But what do you save? $2? I guess $2 counts if you're trying to do it. But don't you think, though, if you're looking at things in general, that Apple is perfectly capable of producing 100 million smartphones and because of economies of scale, they can bring the price down to a point where it's more affordable to people who can't get a subsidized phone or won't. Just to backtrack for a second. Okay, I've got Elizabeth Warren's quote sitting in front of me. If you're caught with an ounce of cocaine, the chances are good that you're going to jail. Uh, but evidently, if you launder nearly a billion dollars for drug cartels and violate our international sanctions, your company pays a fine and you go home and sleep in your own bed at night. I think that's fundamentally wrong. All right. So, you know, her point was uh, specifically about HSBC, the British bank, uh, which was fined at, after it was caught laundering um, money from Mexican drug cartels. But the point remains the same. It seems that financiers and Wall Street analysts and uh, hedge fund managers and all these people who are in charge of money are entitled to a different set of rules than the rest of us when it comes to breaking the law. As long as they do it in in the, the cause of the almighty buck, everything is fine. And people wonder why some of us have a problem with the 1%. Well, if the 1% were honest, why complain we want to applaud success? We want to encourage success. But people use their success to cheat other people. And that's exactly what Philip Elmer DeWitt is accusing Doug Cass of doing. You know, of cheating people by starting this rumor and then backing off of it. Don't hold back. Tell us what you really think there, Peter. There you go. Anyway, let's uh, let's continue, Gene. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to, to, to digress just as a matter of clarification. Where were we? We were talking about the cheap iPhone, and I look at a background here of where Apple has said, traditionally, we don't produce cheap junk. But yeah. they can make something inexpensive. So, for example, a Mac Mini is five ninety nine, and that's actually, what, slightly above average price for a PC desktop these days. But it's a really good product, a really good computer, and it's affordable for a lot of people. And people who are switching from a PC, and they've got the monitor, and they've got the keyboard and the mouse, you get a Mac Mini, it's a pretty easy upgrade. Or you can get an iPod for $49. So why not a cheap iPhone? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are looking at this saying, okay, so, you know, the smartphone market is settling down. It's a two-horse race, you know, uh, BlackBerry and Windows, uh, Windows Phone notwithstanding. 
you know, it looks like Apple and and uh, and and Google with its Android phones from you know dozens of different manufacturers have really kind of made up the the biggest market. Where's the growth in this market coming from? And a lot of people look to the developing world, you know, to say, all right, you know, there are a lot of companies that maybe aren't third world, but aren't you know heavily you know commercialized, industrialized nations. Um, you know, people with, with burgeoning middle class or, or populations of burgeoning middle classes, places like China, places like India, you know, big powerhouse uh, uh, economic countries that are on the fast track for growth. How is Apple going to sell more products to those people? And the answer comes, well, make a cheaper phone. You know, Apple has not ruled out the possibility of building a more inexpensive phone for these markets, but it hasn't outright said that it's going to. And again, what happens in the absence of any actual news is that people spin their own news. People create news out of whole cloth. So we've heard all these rumors about Apple building a cheaper uh, phone made out of plastic, using Snapdragon instead of its own A6 chip, whatever. There's zero evidence to indicate that any of this is actually happening. You know, you trace back the rumors on this stuff, and it's, you know, the, the same, the usual suspects. It's Asian blog sites. It's newspapers of disreputable uh sourcing it's uh, uh you know secondary sourcing or it's multiple sources tracked back to the same initial source the bottom line is we don't know we don't know for sure what apple's doing we don't know if apple's got a plan to you know produce a phone that only costs 99 dollars to make um out there someplace or you know 50 dollars to make out there someplace we're just going to have to wait and see and then take a look at the actual product to figure out whether it's a quality product, whether it's up to what we expect from Apple, and whether or not it's useful uh, for people who might be considering other options. Well, I think the biggest thing to look at here is, in Apple's point of view, can they make a difference in the market where they could have a premium, low-cost smartphone that still has the elegance of an Apple product, still has great fit and finish, and that way it fits what Apple wants but still becomes more affordable? Just as if, for example, Apple got into the lower-cost tablet market with the iPad Mini, but the iPad Mini is not like the 7-inch tablets. It is actually usable. Yeah, no, that's very true. But, you know, I would caution people on, on this subject to consider that when netbooks were a big thing three or four years ago, um, all the analysts and all the pundits said that Apple is leaving money on the table not having a netbook, and the MacBook Air doesn't count, and, you know, Apple is crazy to be letting this segment, you know, Apple is letting millions, billions slip through its fingers by not catering to this market. Well, Apple they did. Produced, they called it the iPad. Apple never produced a, a, a netbook, and you can argue that the iPad was their answer to the netbook phenomenon, but the bottom line is today, fast forward to 2013, there isn't a single company left that makes a netbook that's sold in the united states you know asus got out of it you know asus is making a chromebook for google now but who but wants not that netbooks anymore. who wants a chromebook apparently google thinks that a lot of people do because they're offering different chromebooks and different uh, price segments so you know we'll see how well they sell but the bottom line is a lot of times you hear about this pressure that apple should have to do x y and z and the pressure is is mythical. The pressure is fictional. You know, it's something that 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 analysts and pundits make up uh, because armchair quarterbacking is part of what they like to do. And, you know, and that's that. If at first you don't succeed, if you don't know what's coming, 
You make it up. You sit down there and you say, oh, Apple should do this, should do that. We should do this. Tell you that we have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on the loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today It's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case, so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? 
Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have the one, the only Peter Cohen, and he never holds back. He tells you what he thinks. <laughs> and we're talking about the armchair pundits. We are armchair pundits. We just try to be more realistic about the subject. Because, you know, if we're so good at what we do, if we really know, why can't we be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year running a multinational corporation? In fact, you look at some of these multinational corporations and you wonder, how are they doing what they're doing? Why are they so dumb? And why are people making hundreds of millions of dollars a year or whatever running these companies into the ground? Can you spell HP? So look at HP's innovation since Meg Whitman joined. Of course, she ran for governor of California, and she didn't do so well against somebody who was once governor and decided to come back from retirement. So there you go. So now she heads HP. And what is HP's innovation? A $169 7-inch Android tablet. But what's the innovation? What's different about it? Oh, it's got Beats Audio or something like that, so better speakers. What's innovative about it? I'm waiting for an answer. Yeah, you know, and on the subject of innovation, actually, I've got another, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say rant, but another observation. You know, if, if we were talking about the iWatch in an earlier segment, and, you know, it occurs to me that the iWatch and, and the, the mythical Apple TV, you know, not the black box that you can buy for $99, but an actual television manufactured by Apple, um, the, the device that um, an analyst named Gene Munster wants to see uh, Apple produce in his spent a lot of time convincing the world that apple is working on monster isn't that cheese <laughs> yes indeed it is oh i bet he's never going to be on this show but he hasn't been on this show so why change things why after change all things? why change things um you know th- these things fall into a, a an inter- interesting category i think um and it's a peculiar phenomenon because um you know we were talking a little bit earlier about how apple doesn't necessarily invent a new product category, but it'll reinvent it with the iPad, you know, tablets with the iPad, uh, the iPod with music players, the iPhone with smartphones. Um, Everybody is wondering what Apple's next innovation is going to be, next major thing is going to be. And that's why we're seeing so much speculation about this Apple television or about an iWatch. It isn't because anybody's got any real hard info on what's coming. Uh, There aren't any sources at Apple that are talking about this stuff. It's that people are trying to guess. They're just prognosticating, though. They're just 
assuming that Apple has to reinvent another industry in order to continue its forward momentum. And I think that that's a very dangerous assumption to make. But there's no reason they're not doing it. But the other problem is Apple doesn't do it every day. The iPod came out in 2001. What did Apple do next? The iPhone in 2007. It took six years. So now it's got to be every three months because Steve Jobs isn't around? Well, that's just it. You know, the, so the iPhone in 2007, the iPad in 2010. And, you know, people look at this curve and they see, you know, it go from, all right, six years to three years. So it should be 18 months. You know, so now Apple's overdue for a major innovation because they're expecting this curve to continue upward at the same rate that it has been. And it's ridiculous. It was a fluke. You know, the interesting thing about the iPad is that work on the iPad started uh, uh, before the iPhone. You know, it was only after the iPhone came to market that Apple decided that the iPad was a viable device. That's right. So we're talking about a product that was probably under development for, what, five to seven years? Probably something like that, yeah. So this is just, you know, part of that disconnect. But we look at, okay, we're not going to see an iWatch maybe, or maybe we will. It depends on whether there's demand for one. What about, for example, a cheap iPhone? Well, if Apple can find a way to do it, that makes sense. A simple, elegant, low-cost device. I don't see why they wouldn't do it, but I have no idea what they're making. With television... That's a really hard sell to me. I just can't be made to believe that. I can see an Apple TV with more stuff going on, like being able to manage your TV peripherals, which is the real problem. What is the problem with television nowadays? Why does Tim Cook feel that when he goes into his living room, other than having a 20 or 30-year-old TV, which could be the truth, he feels he's gone back in time. And part of it is that we still manage our accessories for our TVs in a very complicated way. If Apple could simplify that, wouldn't that be the difference? Wouldn't that be the game changer? That would indeed be the game changer, Gene. And I think that you're really onto something there because even I struggle with this. And, you know, gosh knows I am technically adept at, you know, managing different peripheral interfaces. But when it comes to the TV, I get so angry because the remotes don't work the way that they're supposed to. And, you know, okay, if I want to watch, if I want to watch uh, cable, you know, I've got to make sure that the input on the um, stereo is set to this. And if I want to watch uh, stuff on the Apple TV, then I have to make sure that it's set to this. And then I have to use a separate HDMI input for uh, the the uh, um, the Apple TV than I do for uh, the cable box. And it gets unnecessarily complicated and really ugly and disgusting. And it makes me mad that it is that way, but it is. Well, of course, the universal remotes like the Logitech Harmony remotes. By the way, they're selling that division. By the way, they're giving it up. But anyway, Logitech has these Harmony remotes, which are designed to simplify that. You press one button to choose what you want to do, a task, and it figures out all the inputs and turns on this, turns off that. The problem is here, if you don't point it exactly the same way that all the three, four items that you're running receive the signal... It doesn't work. You've got to click the help button. And you know what? The same, the same applies to the universal remotes that a cable, that a cable company will, will, will sell you, lease you, or give you when you get one of their set-top boxes. If, if you don't have it pointed at the TV exactly right, 
it doesn't hit the TV sensor, and then you have to go back and hit the power button again. Um, and the same goes with the stereo, and the same goes with the cable box. You know, it's it's just it's a myriad list of aggravations that that adds up to a really unpleasant user experience any way you slice it. As far as the Harmony devices are concerned, I've I've had one in the past. You know, I've used it. I have to say, though, I can count on one hand the number of Harmony remotes I've seen in the wild when I go over to a friend's, friend or family's house and see what they're using. You know, they, they, they are a niche product, which probably goes to why Logitech is, is trying to sloth them off at this point. Well, the problem is here is that the universal remotes that come, say, with DirecTV or Cox, these are the two services I've used, they're always limited. There's always a thing I can't configure with them which is why I called Logitech one day and said, look, I want to try one of your Harmony remotes because I can't make my universal remotes work seamlessly with all my devices. And the Harmony works very well, except it is not easy to program. You can get involved in a long sequence just trying to get one specific device working. Sometimes their built-in profiles aren't successful, so you have to pair it with the actual remote and press this button and turn it on and change the channel and get a sense of how it works. The average person is not going to put up with that. I'll put up with it because I'm a tech writer and I enjoy the abuse. That's exactly right. You know, and in my particular case, I've been a Comcast customer for a very long time. And Comcast's remotes don't let you switch inputs on the stereo, for example, or on the TV. So, you know, if I'm working with HDMI 1 or HDMI 2, I've got to find the TV remote in order to manage that. Or I've got to go step over to the stereo or find the stereo remote and switch from the DVD input to the, you know, the cable input. It's it's a frustrating mess. And I think that that's what Apple would like to do with the Apple TV. I think Apple would like the Apple TV to be that one device that everybody goes to. Um, but it's it's going to take a lot of momentum uh, to make that happen because uh, the media companies that Apple is working with are you know multi billion dollar companies and they have a very vested interest um, in keeping that user experience close to their vest. But you know something, there are ways Apple could work with them so they keep their customers. And Apple isn't necessarily taking their customers away except for things like pay per view where you have iTunes. They could still work with the customers, but give them a better experience so they feel better about everything. And we'll get into more of that in a moment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. The police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV, jewelry, and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. The officer told me to go to EasyArmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs, and I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes. Visit EasyArmor.net. That's the letters E-Z-A-R-M-O-R.net. Or call 888-58-ARMOR. That's 888-582-7667. EasyArmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the loop at loopinsight.com. One more segment before we let him go and leave the building with Elvis. In fact, he's already <laughs> poised to meet the king out there in someplace and we haven't figured out where maybe watch the tv show being human you'll figure it out in any case <laughs> apple could still do things with existing content providers 
and still be able to get this product out and deliver a better experience. And i give you one example here. You have apps from different cable and satellite providers, like there's a direct TV app available for Android and iOS. So, all right, say I have direct TV. I want to use an Apple TV. Apple TV could launch that app and let me work with my direct TV, recording shows, choosing channels. But it also will take care of my DVD player. It's not going to replace it. It'll take care of my gaming console, whether it's an Xbox or a Sony PlayStation. Regardless, it lets you work with your existing hardware, whatever it is, just like a Mac works with all your hard drives and printers and external stuff. Let you work in that sense to seamlessly integrate all the crap you've got on your TV set, including your sound bar, your sound base, your home theater system, whatever it is, let you do it and make it easy and seamless. In other words, do the Logitech Harmony approach correctly. Yeah, exactly. You'll get no argument from me, Gene. I think that this is a great idea, and I think that this is... If Apple's got a future in, in the television market, that's where it is. It isn't with uh, with panels, with an actual television. And the reason for that is because that is a real commodity-driven market now. You know, it's a very mature market. There are a lot of players in it, and they are competing uh, for um, shelf space with an increasingly jaded population that doesn't want to fork over big money uh, for a big product. You know, when um, when flat-screen TVs hit the market a few years ago, companies could charge ridiculous amounts for 40 or 60-inch sets. You know, people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars now uh, to do it. Now, I mean, you can buy a perfectly serviceable 32-inch set that you can use in a bedroom or, you know, a small room in the house for a couple of hundred bucks. You know, and why is that? It's because a lot more manufacturers have gotten into the the market. Um, You know, Chinese manufacturing has driven the cost down. I don't really see that Apple is going to be able to make much of an impact there if they roll out um, a, 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 a television of their own, an Apple branded television that's going to charge that they're going to charge a premium price for. You know, even Apple's display market, even the displays that they sell for their computers for their Mac Pro, they sell a very small quantity of them. They offer good connectivity, but you know, you can buy a display just as good from somebody else for three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars less. It's not worth it. You know, now for example, how much does it cost to get a good fifty inch backlit LED TV? Exactly. You can six or seven hundred dollars at Walmart from Vizio and other companies. Precisely. And they're good sets, you know, there's very little bad in the TV space. I mean, all the companies are working hard to add newer technologies every week. The new technology of the week. That's a game Apple can't play. Who's got the new panel development that week? Well, Samsung makes their own panels. So LG makes their own panels. So it's always possible to get the latest flat panel invention of that week. Apple can't play that game because they'll never win. But if they give you a superior user experience in a compact set-top box, they could sell 100 million of them. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, Apple's, I, I don't think Apple's um, opportunity is in selling actual panels. I think it is in selling and continuing to refine the Apple TV into something that can be usable for a much larger group of people than it's usable for now. It doesn't mean that Apple couldn't produce a special line of TV sets, but I don't think they want to get into a place where they're not going to sell that many except the people who really want something with apple's brand name on it how can they differentiate themselves 
And that's the area where we come back again. How does Apple make a difference? It's with the Apple TV. And maybe, as it is now, the Apple TV is kind of like a Trojan horse. It gets you used to the way you do things with that product, and then they unveil the full-blown thing, the full-blown widget, but maybe they're not sure how that's going to be because still Apple wants to make plans to provide their own subscription TV service, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the content providers are saying, no. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, it, it's it's really funny. You know, the, the, the music industry was more abundant enough that, uh, you know, when Apple came in with iTunes, it was able to make really great deals with, with companies saying, look, you're, you're bleeding money to piracy. You're bleeding money to Napster um, and, and these other services that let people grab your music for free. Let's make it easy for people to buy music, and they will. And you'll get a cut of it, and and you'll make money again at music, which you haven't been doing for a while. And the music industry was like, great, let's do that. And then it happened, and then they made money. And they saw that Apple was making a lot of money. And wait a minute, Apple, no, we want more money. And that's when, um, you know, the the big media companies, the the, the movie studios, uh, the television production companies looked at it and said, okay, we're not going to make the same mistake as those music idiots. You know, we're not going to let those, we're not going to be schmucks to Apple and, and let them roll over us. You know, we're going to, you know, put up a little bit of a, a little bit of resistance here. And, you know, you, you certainly see television and movies available for download through iTunes and through streaming through Apple TV, but it isn't the same thing at all. And it's a matter it, of fact, it's not only not the same thing. You go to DirecTV or a Cox or Dish Network or Comcast and you get your pay per view or your on demand video and you get the latest movies that way. And it's $4.99 and $5.99. And you go to iTunes, and it's basically the same content. So basically, iTunes is just an alternative provider. Which do you want? But a lot of times, iTunes may have the same content, but they'll be charging more money for it. Do they? I don't know. I compare DirecTV. The long and short of this rant that you've heard, ladies and gentlemen, is that there's probably going to be a new Apple TV, but the Apple TV will not be a full TV set. There's just nothing that Apple can contribute to that space. But if we're looking at the whole picture, and I'm going to ask you this question because it's just about the last one we have time to ask, Peter Cohen, and that is, what is there left for Apple to conquer? Does that take us back to wearable devices? What? Where does Apple have to go next? What's being left on the table, if anything? Flying cars. Okay. Google's got the self-driving cars, but look, we don't have a flying car. You know, I watched the Jetsons when I was a kid, just like a lot of our listeners. I want my flying car already, and I want it to be able to fold into a suitcase so I can just put it on my desk at work. So that's going to be in the next James Bond film. That should be. You Absolutely. Be Sam Mendes is not going to direct the next one, so therefore maybe they'll get J.J. Abrams once he finishes reinventing Star Wars. Well, I was just going to say, J.J. Abrams can reboot James Bond. Oh, wait, they've already done that. Right, he doesn't have to reboot that. He fixed Mission Impossible, he took care of Star Trek, now he's got Star Wars, and the people in Star Trek, some of them are getting crazy over that, because of the fact that he's now got both franchises. What does he do? Each year he goes back to the other? You know, okay, this year we'll do the Star Wars movie, next year I'll do the Star Trek movie. Or it's does a monopoly. His... It's a monopoly. Yes, J.J. Abrams is going to run the world. <laughs> So he's going to call George Lucas and say, let's bring back Indiana Jones. No, we don't need that anymore. 
I don't know. How do you do it? Tell our listeners, Peter Cohen, where they can find more of your stuff. Certainly. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Gene. My, my writings you can find all over the Internet, but in particular at The Loop at loopinsight.com. And I have a weekly podcast uh, that I do with two other gentlemen called Angry Mac Bastards, and its website is angrymacbastards.com. And a warning that they're very explicit on Angry Mac Bastards. So be careful. That's all. If you don't worry about hearing the seven dirty words used when appropriate, Listen to that show. You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. On Facebook, look for Gene Steinberg. If you find him, it's probably me. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week on the Paracast, we're going to be talking to Dr. Russell Targ, who worked at Stanford Research Institute to discover remote viewing. Isn't that wild? Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. It's always a pleasure, Gene. Thank you very much for having me. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.